you to introduce yourself, yourself and maybe your your uh, um, your motivations for creating Arroyo? Yeah, well, um, yeah, thanks for uh, for talking to me again. Um, it was great chatting with you at Current. Honestly, I was running on about six hours of sleep uh, for that first conversation, so excited to be well-rested for this one. Um, so yeah, so my background uh, is basically running stream processing teams. I spent the five years before starting Arroyo uh, at Splunk and at Lyft, leading their streaming compute teams. Um, so basically spent a bunch of years just building infrastructure on top of Flink and working with users, building on Flink and um, working on Flink itself. And basically came out of that experience really convinced that there was a, a ton of power here and that real-time data processing was like clearly going to be the future, but also recognizing that the current tools are so, so hard for end users, um, trying to get uh, like an engineer or a data scientist to really be successful building Flink pipelines uh, was an exercise in futility. Mm. Um, so yeah, I started Arroyo because I, I really, really wanted to fix that problem. Perfect, perfect. Thanks for that. Um, I actually installed Arroyo locally uh, using your your cargo. Um, oh. Yeah, I I had to update my um, my Rust. It was a uh, to later later version or earlier version, so um, I haven't gotten to play with it in in, in depth as I wanted to. So ask more um, specific, uh, specific questions. I haven't been going through some of your documentation, and uh, I saw a lot of or at least a few references to a paper by Google about uh, data flow. Um, can you talk more about about that? Why uh, why that's such an important thing to talk about when you're differentiating uh, Arroyo from other stream processing vendors? Yeah, I think this actually sort of gets into a divide in the ecosystem. And like a lot of these divides, uh, it's a lot of it is how you kind of frame the problem rather than like core differences in these systems. Um, but we're really focused on what we call timely data processing, um, which is this kind of model originally from this paper at Google called the Dataflow paper um, that's built around um, you know, basically like one of the core problems in stream processing is you have data coming in, it's potentially delayed, um, potentially out of order. And you need to decide when some window of data or, or some, uh, you know, some amount of data has come in that you're able to do your processing and uh, output your results. And uh, the data flow paper was a really clever um, kind of way of doing this using this notion of watermarks uh, that's now been adopted in a bunch of different systems like Flink. Um, and I mean, the basic idea, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are familiar with this, but um, the idea is that we have some uh, watermark, which is an estimate of completeness. So it, it's basically a time in our system uh, by which we assume that all the data before that time has arrived. And we can use that watermark, which propagates through our data flow in order to uh, essentially close windows. So decide that like all the data for this window has passed. And this allows you to basically trade off completeness and latency in a way um, that can be really useful for you know, use cases that actually demand like tight latency bounds. Uh, so for example, at Lyft, um, we had some uh, events that were processing that were coming from servers where we would expect them to come in you know, within a second. 
other events that were coming from mobile phones that may be delayed for minutes or hours. And so uh, configuring that watermark allows you to kind of differentiate these, uh, these different cases using the knowledge you have about your systems. So Arroyo uh, is built with that kind of in mind, that timely data processing, um, whereas some other systems like you know, Materialize or Rising Wave um, take the approach of uh, kind of incremental computation, where instead of deciding that we have all the data for some window and we're able to compute it, we're just going to constantly kind of keep it updated as new data comes in. I think those are two very different approaches um, that you see in, in these different systems. I don't you also um, um, update at least um, your non-closed window once new data is coming in? I mean, mm -hmm. that's also also incremental in a way, in a way right? So I guess the most strict version of these is, um, so like in Flink SQL, for example, uh, mm -hmm. if you have a sliding window with a watermark, um, once that watermark has passed that window, we close the window and any new data that comes in, or, or sorry, any old data that comes in is just dropped. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's kind of like the, yeah, the most strict version of this. Uh, while, are you about while the window is open? Um, or, um, sorry, what? Maybe I misunderstood the question. No, but I was just asking, um, so while the window is still open, um, Actually, the, your system is um, similar to Materialize Rising Wave because, because at that time, you're also um, incrementally computing the window aggregation, and, right? I mean, it's only the mm -hmm. difference that once there's out-of-order data, at some point you close the window, whereas they don't, in a way. <laughs> so, but, well, from a user's perspective, we're not doing any incremental computation on that window. We do, I mean, in Arroyo and in Flink, like there is incremental computation happening for performance reasons, but the semantics mm -hmm. are, are that it all happens at once. The data is collected and then the window closes, it's all processed and the result is- Ah, it's, so, it's, so it's only processed once the window is closed. Right. Ah, okay. So that's, that's, that's nice. the, that, the timely model basically of window mm -hmm. processing. Um, compared to the like materialized model where you recompute it on every event that comes into the window. And you do that indefinitely until, you know, typically some TTL. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I started off saying these are like two very different approaches. Um, I think really like there's a spectrum. Um, most systems are going to converge on supporting both. Like Arroyo started purely in the timely model, but now we've also implemented um, the more materialized style uh, mm -hmm. updating table approach. Yeah, okay. Rising Wave also inc included uh, watermarks now, so they're <laughs> coming from the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's this, uh, actually, this is interesting um, conversation because it it's a, a common issue that pe that people have that are new to streaming. Like, how, how it's very undeterministic how you could kind of, like, come to a final view of your data um uh it's almost like i i uh, there's this idea what i'm trying to put together where it's the uh, the relativity of uh stream processing where relativity mm -hmm. being like being um uh <laughs> like the, the the physics uh, or the <laughs> um einstein's theory of relativity um there's you have the speed of light and then you have like the idea of uh of when uh if you don't get 
all the 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 events or the senses of put together in your view you just there's assumptions that that are made if there are you know missing spots or from your from your view and then you kind of have to make make the decision well is this enough information for me to decide to go ahead and do something or you know the sun's light doesn't get to us till after eight minutes right <laughs> so uh, <laughs> but but that doesn't stop us from you know living our lives and, and doing what we need to do so there's a, there's a whole relativity to it and, and i think there's that same concept of when you're trying to decide when or where like to, to start doing things in stream processing right um so it's uh it's confusing i don't know that i have a good grasp <laughs> on it um things like watermarking and uh and uh um definitely come into to play as, as to how the, the consistency so we have a, a, a dedicated chapter on in, in our book of, on consistency and how it what it means in stream processing and mm -hmm. i think there's a kind of a spectrum or different ways to really think about it depending on what you need in your use case and it's really hard i think for for people that want to start get, get started in streaming to know which one they need right um, can you just give us like an idea of like you you, you talk about this differential or or this division between stream processors? When mm -hmm. does one need timely versus versus the incremental approach? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to sort of look at the history of how people have been solving this class of problems. Um, which, broadly speaking, is uh, for some use cases you need really uh, up to date data. You need you know data from the last second. For other use cases, you need really really complete data. So, um, for example. I come from the ad tech world originally, and there, um, you know, for ad targeting, we want to be able to uh, respond in seconds to like basically what users are doing to more accurately target them ads. Um, but also at the end of the day, we need to do accounting. We need to know exactly how many impressions we sent um, in order to like charge back our clients. So this is like the same data set, but we need in some cases really, really updated views on it and in some cases really complete and correct views on it. And historically, the way people have solved this is with two completely different systems, right? You have a stream processing system that gives you the second latency view, and then you have a reliable batch processing system that gives you the complete view at some much later point. Um, this was called like the Lambda architecture when you tried to like do the same computation twice and hopefully it ended up the same. Um, today, we've moved into a world where like stream processing systems now actually work well enough that we're able to basically use one system to give us both. Um, and I, I think that is sort of like uh, really the direction things are moving, that mm -hmm. um, users should be able to specify on a um, basically per query basis, like do I want um, latency guarantees or do I want completeness guarantees? And the system is really able to figure out how to operationalize that. Um, and, and users shouldn't have to like duplicate their logic and like these multiple systems to uh, um, you know, to get these different trade-offs. And I think the other thing I'll say just quickly is that uh, people think, I think batch systems are really straightforward when it comes to like completeness. But if you've ever actually run like batch pipelines at scale, what you <laughs> find is that there are always days when, uh, you know, this machine was down and we didn't get its logs in time or this other pipeline uh, was delayed. And now we have to go into our airflow or other like workflow orchestration <laughs> system and like, <laughs> tell it, oh, okay, we need to actually delay this sequence of jobs in order to like get this completeness. So mm -hmm. you really have all these same problems in, in these orchestrated batch systems. It's just, 
it's not in Spark. It's in all the infrastructure you build around Spark. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I've never I've never heard anybody put it that way. Like I'm going yeah, yeah. Airflow DAGs and say, "Oh, this one failed. I got to rerun everything from here." Fix <laughs> tech because all my results are wrong. <laughs> You're actually doing it in streaming and 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 uh, um, programmatically. Um, I wanted to kind of highlight that you also came from Splunk. Uh, there's a we talked about this the last time. There are a few <laughs> of these new startups out there. Now there's a um, Decodable, uh, Time Plus. You're all probably friends with one another. Did you all sit on a ta at a table, kind of decide where the market <laughs> you're going to take? <laughs> I'm joking, obviously not. But um, what did you think? What do you think about their their approach as to streaming versus uh, uh, um, Arroyo? Yeah. Uh, so as you mentioned, there is a, a huge exodus of ex Splunkers who are now running stream processing companies. Also, add um, like the head of stream processing at uh, at Databricks and at um, Confluent also came from Splunk. We're, we're really everywhere. And a lot of that is just uh, Splunk hired an incredible quality of stream processing talent for about three years um, through acquisitions and, and just hiring. And then um, essentially decided they weren't going to do it. So everyone left and is uh, doing their own things now. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of like the different approaches, um, it's interesting to look at Time Plus and Decodable. Um, so Decodable is taking Flink and trying to build um, basically a managed service around that, very similar to what Confluent is doing uh, with the Imrock acquisition. And Time Plus is taking, uh, I think, a really interesting approach of basically building a streaming engine on top of ClickHouse. So they have both the kind of batch analytical queries of ClickHouse, and then also they're able to do um, these more up-to-date queries uh, from the streaming engine. Um, and I uh, attended a couple of their talks at Current and have talked to them a bunch. I don't know that much about the kind of technical details there, but I think everyone is converging on that approach of like, we need to be really good at both batch processing and stream processing, and ideally in the same system so that you don't have to kind of juggle mm -hmm. these two different languages or semantics yeah I, I heard a couple of times actually in in some of the sessions and in some parties that I attended that uh, a, a big theme of current last last week was um, this convergence of streaming and batching which really expands the ecosystem um, and brings in a lot more other you know data companies and now you see uh, you know mongodb in here and then <laughs> and uh <clears throat> hazelcast next year you'll probably see uh, snowflake which will be mm. an odd thing um <clears throat> what uh what's your thoughts on that and like the the, the convergence of, uh, of streaming and batching or data at rest the data in motion is it all just now pro data processing and uh, what, what are your thoughts there yeah, I think in 10 years that will be true. Um, it, like, it, it is all just the spectrum of, um, you know, latency to completeness. And uh, historically, we've had systems that are on either ends of that spectrum, but um, clearly, like, we're going to see this converge. And I, I mean, <clears throat> you know, you can say that as a user, like, it's, it's nice to kind of, like, have one system. Architecturally, like, these systems look really, really different. Yeah. Um, at least historically, 
you know, a traditional OLAP database with like a volcano volcano style uh, query engine, um, you know, operating on columnar data at rest looks very different than a, a push-based, uh, you know, stream processing engine like Flink. Um, but I think uh, if you look at the kind of the more modern systems like Arroyo or like Rising Wave, um, there you're really seeing like convergence in those two kind of design styles. Um, and even like more modern OLAP databases like DuckDB are, are taking push approaches rather than volcano style pull approaches. Um, so you're kind of seeing convergence from both directions on like a very similar architecture. That's a good point. Um, and then, you know, Confluent, for example, is doing very interesting stuff with uh, storing um, uh, like multi-level storage for Kafka. And they're going to try to do batch processing on that as well and try to, you know, use the same data for both real-time processing and batch processing in, in like slightly different forms. Um, so a lot of, everyone's trying to figure out kind of what that looks like. I mean, um, I think, yeah, you will see like a ton more convergence in these systems. Okay. Well, how, um, coming back to the latency correctness trade-off mm -hmm. or completeness. And, um, how would you do it in, in, in a row, for example? Would you, is it just a matter of uh, mm -hmm. having uh, small watermarks or large watermarks, or is it, what would be the, the way to do it? Yeah, so there's kind of two different approaches there. Um, one is is basically that one. Um, you can set your watermark, uh, yeah, latent or uh, gap, basically high enough that you are sure your data is complete. Mm -hmm. um, but often what people want is kind of both. Um, you want kind of an up-to-date view and then also eventually a complete view. And mm -hmm. there the approach is kind of to have both, both uh, styles of query in one pipeline. So you have basically one part of the pipeline that has a, um, a time-oriented window and one mm -hmm. that has a uh, more standard like SQL window. And then okay. you get, uh, you know, basically the system, parts of your system that want like to give real-time, uh, you know, behavior, look at the uh, time-oriented window and then you still have like the complete data that's written to S3 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you, uh, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but I think like over time we'll be uh, providing like better options in this space as well. Okay. Yeah, you you mentioned a spectrum. I I, I do believe there is a, a really wide spectrum of streaming technologies today. Um, as far as like the data being, say, you know how it moves from operational to analytical planes, and where would you, where do you see your Arroyo being deployed? Is it closer to the analytical plane, or is it closer to the the operational, or even deployed in the operational plane? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I mean, initially we're definitely targeting the more operational use cases, or um, I think really the the high value streaming uh, use cases are like things that power product features directly, rather than um, you know we have our analytical dashboards a little bit faster, um, and and maybe some of that is just biased from kind of my career where mm -hmm. um, like at Lyft all the really high value use cases were things like pricing or ETAs or safety, um, where it was really directly driving the product experience to be faster and doing this data analysis. Um, so yeah, that's that's really where we're targeting right now. I think you know everyone eventually wants to do everything, and that's probably true for us as well. But uh, I think it's, it's much easier to convince a company to adopt streaming when 
the use case is, you know, we're going to increase revenue by X or we're going to make the UX much better, then, you know, instead of waiting a day for your dashboards, you get your dashboards in a minute. Um, people generally don't care that much about their dashboards. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, how about historical data? I mean, a lot of that data comes from the minute or the dashboards that, you know, they populate dashboards. Um, are, are there patterns that you could use that will get that historical data to you to be presented in the operational plane? Um, yeah, so I think, uh, I mean, the, the current approach we take is basically we allow you to query S3 um, oh. and um, essentially do like a, a bootstrap from data in S3 and then join it with data in Kafka um, or your other streaming sources. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's sort of the standard approach people take today. Uh, ultimately, I think people really want, you know, to do that more efficiently, to have a more batch style compute, to um, you know, bootstrap these jobs and then continue from streaming. And I think that's that's the direction we'll be moving in. Awesome. Okay. I've got one more question. Uh, Ralph, do you have, uh, have any other questions? I mean, one still, I mean, that's coming from the book also. <laughs> Is, uh, the question about um, what do we think is the difference between having watermarks on the one hand and having like grace grace periods in Kafka streams, right? So that that seems very really similar, but I still can't get, get my head around what the real difference is. <laughs> Hard to say. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not quite familiar enough with Kafka streams to necessarily answer that, um, but uh, my is it that or, or I don't know. Are you able to like describe it a little bit? Yeah. So they don't have, don't have watermarks. So what they do to keep windows open for a longer time than initially like projected <laughs> is that they can add uh, a certain grace period, and you can say, okay, <clears throat> late arriving data um, can come in like for the next ten seconds more or something. Mm -hmm. So that's I mean, you you create the, the the window with a certain time, and then time period and then you add this grace period to it to capture some rate driving data so that's i think maybe a concept yeah i think a core thing with watermarks is that they're based around um like event time so mm -hmm. it's a, a property of the data that's arriving rather than like the time of processing ah, that's a good point yeah because um, that's, that's 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 the difference actually yeah because the grace period is like defined on on, on wall clock time right yeah, uh, and I think. Uh, like in practice, a lot of people do do a simple kind of like grace period model, essentially, where you take, um, you know, the current time you've seen and you add some amount of time to that. But you can do much more sophisticated um, watermark strategies. Mm -hmm. For example, if you have out of band information, um, like if you're getting logs shipped by a server and that server is able to like tell you or your like log collection system is able to tell you we haven't seen logs from the server yet. Uh, you know, you should wait to, to process this time window. Mm -hmm. um, you can incorporate that into the, the watermark calculation or um, like okay. Google's talked about doing really interesting like statistical work here where they try to actually estimate what the data completeness is and use that to drive a watermark. Okay. Um, so yeah, having this this notion like allows you to like incorporate all this like other information into um, okay. this, this yeah. idea of completeness. Makes it more powerful, definitely. Yeah. 
that actually brings up another question for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, is the, the is implementing a watermark a lot typically a lot faster than just like you know looking for joining all events and seeing if they all exist and then and then deciding to go forward or? Uh, yeah, so I think watermark watermark based approaches are generally a lot faster okay. um, or, or more efficient. Um, I think uh, a lot of this gets down into the details of how exactly you're implementing like your your window operations, your join operations. Mm -hmm. But generally, watermark systems will do most of their work only when the watermark passes rather than um, having to incrementally update the window many times. Right. Um, right. Cool. Um, my last question will be about the paper. Um, the data mm -hmm. flow paper. I'm only halfway through it, but there, there's one sentence that really, you know, uh, resonated with me. It's the, it's this one. The, the practitioner, the, the, uh, the gives a gives the practitioner a choice of appropriate trade-offs along the axis of interest, which are correctness, latency, and cost. So you kind of have to trade off between <laughs> correctness, latency, and costs, and um, it's not something that you could hard code into the stream process, or you shouldn't maybe hard code in the stream processor, but allow the user to tweak those those uh, properties per uh, per I guess SQL statement, right? Is that um, is that something you guys kind of enable? Yeah, well, definitely that trade off between latency and correctness um, will be determined by how you set the watermark. Um, yeah, I think cost is not really, I guess in some sense, you know, it is cheaper to do, uh, do this less often, but, um, I don't think that's a, a thing that really is apparent to users. Um, also the data flow paper is also, I think like a decade old at this point. Um, and there's been a lot of, um, like the systems look pretty different today than they did, uh, back then. Right. Um, but I do, I mean, there is inherently a trade-off between latency and correctness um, or completeness. Um, and that's something that, you know, you can try to hide in the system. And I think you see modern systems like Materialize really try to hide that trade-off from users, but ultimately it's there. And um, yeah. <laughs> I think users definitely need to be aware of that and need to be able to make a, a like business-oriented decision on, you know, what they care more about. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Micah, really, really appreciate you talking to us or talking to me again. Um, but I'd love to talk more in the future, if you don't mind. I'd uh, love to see where you guys are in the next six months. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks, everybody. And, uh, and uh, Micah, again, uh, reach out anytime. Great. Yeah, great chatting. Uh, really enjoyed it. All right. I'll see you All right. Bye bye. bye, -bye.